Welcome to the Mariners Podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius, and you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Sunday night, Mariners are coming off uh, losing two of three to Baltimore in Baltimore. This is going to be our uh, State of the Mariners pod. I will do these every couple of weeks, kind of evaluate where the Mariners stand, uh, what moves they can make. Uh, you know, are we are the Mariners trending up? Are they trending down? Uh, we'll talk about the record. We'll talk about real quickly the previous two games. Then we'll go through player by player and uh, I'll assess whether they're trending up, down, or steady. We'll talk about where the Mariners can improve, what they can do, and whether they should be sellers, stay put, or buyers uh, coming up to the trade deadline. So, again, Mariners lose the last two games of the series. Uh, They won the first one. On Saturday, the Mariners lost 6-4. Looks pretty dire uh, going into the ninth inning. Mariners were down 4-3. Somehow, someway, Mike Ford... Uh, was able to hit a home run off of uh, Felix Bautista, who's pretty much the best closer in baseball as of right now. Uh, He struck out uh, twice as many batters as innings, uh, listed at 6'8", 285, intimidating presence on the mound, throwing 102 with a 91-mile-an-hour split. Uh, But he hit a home run. Commanders were down 4-3. He tied it 4-4. Mariners go to extra innings with Baltimore and promptly Justin Topa surrenders two runs. Uh, So Mariners lost 6-4. So Mike Ford had two solo home runs in this game, one off of Dean Kramer in the third, and then the one off Bautista. Uh, J.P. Crawford had a home run. Julio Rodriguez had a home run in the sixth off of Kramer. But four solo home runs is not going to do it. Besides Ford's um, two for four with two solo home runs, the two players that stood out offensively were Crawford going two for five with a run and an RBI and a home run. And then Julio went three for five with a run, an RBI and a home run. Julio also provided a steal for those who are uh, fantasy baseball folk. Uh, Pitching wise, Bryce Miller went four and a third, six hits, three runs. All three were earned, three walks, four strikeouts, 95 pitches. Uh, you want your starting pitcher to go five, at least five innings. He went four and a third. I don't think he had his uh, best command in this game. Uh, eight first pitch strikes to 20 batters, but he did only surrender three runs. Um, Matt Brash, uh, Gabe Spire, uh, uh, Munoz, Adcock, Seawald, and then Topa were the relievers the Mariners used. Um, Gabe Spire gave up a home run to Aaron Hicks in the sixth and it didn't look like it was uh, really going to have that much impact on the game. But at that point it was actually at that point, it was three, three Baltimore went up four, three uh, It's kind of anticlimactic in, in a weird sort of way, even though Baltimore did go up. Um, I guess me watching it thought that the Mariners would still fight back. Uh, and eventually they did to tie the game, as I said, at 4-4 off of Bautista, but then um, ended up losing uh, 6-4. So that was Saturday's game, uh, kind of a roller coaster of emotion. 
given the fact that they were down, came back, they were down, came back, and ended up losing in 10. Uh, extra inning losses are always pretty brutal. Uh, today's game, Sunday, matched Kyle Bradish against George Kirby. Kyle Bradish was a, I would say, an elite starting pitching prospect, but certainly um, a decent one coming up in the Orioles system the last couple of years, has a dynamite uh, slider. Mariners lost this game 3-2. Uh, only had three hits in this game. Offense, again, pretty putrid. Uh, nobody had more than one hit. Ty France, Eugenio Suarez, and Cal Raleigh were responsible for the three hits. Cal Raleigh hit a, a two-run home run off of uh, Kyle Bradish in the second inning. But Mariners' offense just stagnant. Bad. Julio 0 for 4, two strikeouts. Teo 0 for 4, two strikeouts. Um, we got to talk about the Mariners' offense. I, you know, I've been someone who's been somewhat of a defender of the offense uh, and a proponent of staying put. Uh, they need something. George Kirby, six and a third, six hits, three runs, two earned, one walk, four strikeouts. 98 pitches, 72 strikes, moves him to six and seven with a 3.26 ERA. Uh, you feel like with a 3.26, he should have a better record than six and seven, but I think that's indicative of the Mariners offense. Bradish, two hits in seven innings, two runs, two walks, seven Ks. And then uh, Daniel Colom and uh, Felix Bautista came in to close the game out. So again, Mariners moved to 37 and 39. Uh, nine and a half games out of first place, who are the Texas Rangers, six games back of the Astros and the Angels, who are in front of them in the AL West as well. A couple things here. Uh, we're 47% through the major league season. Uh, the Mariners have a winning percentage of 487. Uh, Mariners are projected to go 82 and 80 by fan graphs. Uh, that, that would be a rest of season winning percentage of uh, five. 18 and Fangraphs, I guess, most importantly, give the Mariners a 16.2% chance to make the playoffs and a 1% chance to win the World Series. So, based on those numbers, 16.2% chance to make the playoffs. The question that I'm going to try to tackle today, or the questions that I will try to tackle today, are should the Mariners sell? Should the Mariners hold and upgrade slightly with a bat? Or should the Mariners be all-in type of buyers to try to really go after this? I don't know what my opinion is as of yet. Uh, this is an exercise that I think is a very important one. It's one that, that teams should obviously always be asking themselves. But this is a real check-in. Uh, we're about halfway through the season. And the way that I do this is uh, look at each player one by one, uh, think a little bit about what were the expectations of this player coming into the season. If this player is able to produce at their career level, their average career level, um, are they a positive at their position for the Mariners? Does this work as of right now? Uh, so we will start with, J.P. Crawford, just kind of going down through the Mariners lineup mostly. Uh, J.P. Crawford has through, through again, through uh, 47% of the season, we're just going to call it halfway, 
in 284 at bats is hitting 243, 350 with the 712 OPS uh, in five home runs. So extrapolate that over the course of the season. That's 10 home runs, obviously. A 13.7% walk rate and a 109 WRC plus. I think JP Crawford is pretty much what the Mariners expect at shortstop. He's not providing a ton of power. If he's a 10 home run shortstop with a 350 on base percentage at the top of the lineup, I think that's um, acceptable. Uh, he does play what by eye test looks like plus um, defense at shortstop, but uh, is a negative 1.4 defensive rating or defensive war from uh, fan graphs. But I, I think that the Mariners should be satisfied with the production from J.P. Crawford as of uh, as of kind of midseason. Ty France, seven home runs, two sixty or two seventy six, three forty seven, seven sixty eight OPS. Uh, only a five point nine percent walk rate, which I think is very low for a skilled uh, major league hitter. One twenty one WRC plus. The 21% above league average for runs created. Uh, I have steady with, with uh, Ty France as well. I think that he's pretty much who he's always been. Uh, last season, he ended up with 20 home runs and hit 274, 338, uh, 774 OPS. It's pretty close to what he's doing right now. Um, so Ty France is who who he is. The seven home runs is a little light. Uh, compared to previous years, but I also think that team, you know, players hit more home runs as the weather gets hot. Uh, the big one, Julio Rodriguez, 331 plate appearances, 243, 305, 729 OPS. He does have 13 home runs and 17 steals. I was in a heated conversation on uh, my fantasy baseball podcast about how Julio Rodriguez is being ripped by a lot of folks as a uh, fantasy bust questioning his talent uh, and whether he is actually who everyone has kind of pumped him up to be and whether he's uh, worthy of the contract that he signed with the Mariners. And I'm here to tell you that he 100% is. People forget Julio Rodriguez is 22 years old and five months. He's younger than Corbin Carroll. He's younger than most all the rookies who we, who we're talking about currently. Um, young players go through ups and downs, especially ones that are uh, lack discipline at the plate, as Julio does. And yet, if you're a fantasy player, if you consider this to be just before the 50% mark, you're looking at 26 home runs and 34 stolen bases. So potentially 30-30, uh, despite the fact that everybody thinks he's struggling. So I'm of the opinion that we will see a Better Julio Rodriguez in the second half of the season. I have him trending up. He is a positive Fangraphs defensive war player. Um, obviously, you're not upgrading over Julio, but I think it's worth checking in as to where he is so far this season. Uh, Tailscar Hernandez, 256, 300, 750 OPS, only a 4.8% walk rate, 109 WRC plus, but he's been great in the month of June. He does have 14 home runs. So let's say he continues a slight upward trend and ends up hitting 265 with an 800 OPS and just double his home runs, 28 home runs. That's about what 
we traded or the Mariners traded for in the deal for Teo Hernandez. And yet I think people trash him as well. Uh, I think the tail is, is trending slightly up, but if, if the Mariners get the same level of production that they've gotten from him so far, uh, to me, that's very much acceptable from uh, Teoscar Hernandez in right field. Jared Kelnick, 251, 322, 781 OPS, 118 WRC plus, 11 homers, nine steals. A lot of these numbers came in the first month or so of the season. I'm very worried about Jared Kelnick's ability to hit breaking balls. I did call him a star in previous podcasts. I still think he has star potential, but Mariners are really going to have to help him either learn how to identify breaking balls and spit on them or learn how to hit them. Because as of right now, he is strictly a fastball hitter. I am worried about Kelnick. I do think that the Mariners don't have a choice but to ride it out with him in left field. Uh, But I'm still a a bit on the fence as to whether he is the long-term solution in left field. Cal Raleigh, 10 home runs, 227, 301, 719 OPS, 102 WRC+. He's pretty much what you would expect from a decent hitting major league catcher. He will end up with 20 to 25 home runs this season. He'll end up in the mid-700s with OPS. He's not going to hit for high average, uh, but that's okay. He is a positive uh, Fangraphs defensive war defender. Um, Cal Raleigh is who he is in the same way that Ty France is who he is. J.P. Crawford is who he is. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, 221-315-652 OPS, 89 WRC+, plus, which is 11% below league average. Uh, set only seven home runs. He's certainly been a disappointment up to this point uh, for the Mariners. Suarez is a notorious uh, second-half power hitter. I think that uh, while you could upgrade at third base, it's not as if there are a ton of incredible offensive third basemen in the major leagues. So a lot of his batted ball metrics look very similar to last season. I do expect him to hit a lot better July, August, September as far as uh, power goes. And I think that an upgrade over... Eugenio Suarez at this point in time would would not be worth the cost, given the the uh, the dearth of uh, offensive third baseman in baseball. Uh, Jose Caballero, two thirty five, three seventy seven, seven twenty two OPS at second base, two homers, eleven steals, running a fourteen percent walk rate, positive Fangraphs defensive WAR, one sixteen WRC plus. He is in the 95th percentile uh, for speed, in according to Baseball Savant. Uh, I think Caballero is is really good. Uh, I've said before, I think he's at probably best as a super utility guy. But if he's going to be the Mariners' second baseman for the rest of the season, I I don't hate that. I obviously they could do a little bit better at second, but uh, I think Jose Caballero is not bad. And I love that he gets on base. Uh, I love his feistiness, as I've said. He does steal bags. He puts pressure on the pitcher. Um, He plays a good defensive second base. He can play shortstop. He's a good player. And I think he's really carved out a role on the Mariners. Uh, AJ Pollock, who the Mariners signed in the offseason, I believe it was one year, 8 million in 117 plate appearances, 160, 222, 524 OPS, uh, four homers, uh, 
he is in, in the 88th percentiles for speed. But I think the question can be asked, is Pollock washed, right? Um, I believe he's 35 years old. Uh, just he's been, to be honest, he's been really bad. And uh, the Mariners wanted, you know, they protect him against right-handed pitchers. He certainly hits against lefties. They're trying to set him up to succeed, and he hasn't thus far. Uh, Pollock is one that the Mariners, if given uh, in good, really great performance out of a right-handed hitter in, in their minor leagues, uh, I think Pollock would be a DFA candidate. If the Mariners acquire an outfielder or a DH that's right-handed and can hit for power and can potentially play a little bit of left field, I think, again, Pollock is a DFA candidate at this point in time. And then Colton Wong, 152 plate appearances, one homer, no steals, 164, 250 on base percentage, 459 OPS. Uh, He's been downright putrid uh, so far this season, as most Mariners fans know. Uh, Here's the deal with Wong, though. He's 32. In 20, in 2021 with the Brewers, he had a 110 WRC plus, 12 homers, 12 or 14 homers, 12 steals, 272, 335, 782 OPS. 782 OPS at second base is damn good. In last year, 15 homers, 17 steals, 251. 339, 430 slug for a 769 OPS and a 117 WRC plus. He was a two and a half war, a two and a half war player at second base, according to fan graphs, in both 2021 and 2022. I say that because I think that Colton Wong is a player you can't give up on. I, I just I know he's been horrible. Um, I don't love it, but if the Mariners were to get a second half of the type of production that he's provided the Brewers in the past two years, that's a positive. That's a plus at second base. And whether you want to admit it or not, or you're frustrated with him, it's something the Mariners are considering. I I don't think he's a DFA candidate as of right now. Um, They just need to get him back on track. I don't know what that is. he has a lot of productive at-bats. As far as I can see, he hits the ball hard sometimes. I think you got to ride it out with him. Uh, Pollock would be the DFA candidate in my mind. And then pitching-wise, uh, Luis Castillo, 4-6 and six with a 2.89 ERA, uh, 87 in the third innings, 101 strikeouts, 1.05 whip. Uh, he's trending up for me. I think that from what I've seen, uh, when he – is missing his location and his his command is average. Uh, Luis Castillo is a good to very good pitcher because his stuff is so great. When Luis Castillo has command, he's an AL Cy Young candidate. And so that's what, when, I, when I'm watching him, I'm watching his command because that determines whether he's going to shut the opponent out or give up two to three runs. In any case, Mariners have gotten what they bargained for with him so far. I know the four and six record isn't pretty. That's more uh that's more a sign or or indicative of the Mariners' poor offense than it is Castillo not pitching well. But he's an ace. And the Mariners have certainly got, as I said, got what they paid for in trade and certainly in the uh in the extension that they signed him to. George Kirby, six and six, three point two nine ERA. Uh 
87 and two thirds innings, 88 hits, six walks and 75 strikeouts, 1.7% walk rate, 1.07 whip. Uh, I think Kirby's still, honestly, he's still figuring himself out. I've talked ad nauseum about wanting to see George Kirby throw inside against both right and left-handed hitters about George Kirby wasting pitches one, two, Oh, two, even two, two to try to get chases. His strikeout rate given his stuff should be much higher than 21.4%. But even if George Kirby is who he is for this season, and you've got a low threes ERA starting pitcher going deep into games, that is very, very valuable. He is very much entrenched entrenched as the Mariners number two starter Logan Gilbert, five and four, 4.07 ERA. He's, his ERA is a bit inflated given his, uh, his more of his advanced metrics. Uh, 89 strikeouts and 86 in the third inning, 71 hits, 17 walks, 1.02 whip. Uh, I think Gilbert is a mid threes ERA starting pitcher provided health for the Mariners over the la- over the next, you know, four to six years. Uh, he is who he is. I don't expect a huge uptick with him, uh, but he is very, very valuable to the Mariners. Bryce Miller, five and three, three point eight eight ERA. Uh, XERA is three point eight zero. Forty nine strikeouts in fifty five and two thirds innings. Five uh, percent walk rate, zero point nine seven WHIP. Doesn't get the swings and misses that you would expect uh, from him, but because his fastball is such an elite pitch, gets a lot of weak contact. Uh, his one stat of note for Bryce Miller, 65.3% left on base percentage is very low. What that means is he's gotten a bit unlucky on batted balls. Uh, and he doesn't strike out as many hitters as uh, I think the average starter does. So he could progress to the mean and become or have a higher left on base percentage that would help his ERA certainly. But I'm steady with uh, Bryce Miller. I think that his performance uh, so far this season is pretty much the numbers, the average numbers that we should expect from him. Uh, not the, you know, the five starts in the beginning of the season, certainly, and not the implosions either. I think he's a low or a high threes ERA starter for now, who's still working on his pitch mix and trying to figure out who he is as a major leaguer. He is an important part of this rotation already. Uh, but he is going to need time to figure out kind of his pitching identity. And then Brian Wu, one and one with the 5.09 ERA, but a 2.46 XERA, according to Fangraphs. Uh, 16 hits in 17 and two thirds innings, five walks, 25 strikeouts, 6.8% walk rate versus a 33.8% K rate, which is phenomenal. 119 whip, but a lot of that was from his first poor start. Uh, 14.7% swinging strike rate, which is getting close to elite, uh, and only a 76% zone contact rate, which is 6%, 7%, excuse me, no, 6% lower than league average, meaning major leaguers aren't making contact with his pitches that are in the strike zone as much as average either. So we may see Brian Wu zoom past Bryce Miller a little bit uh, the rest of season, uh, so his stuff looks very good. The, the sinker is a nice complement to the the four-seamer. Uh, and then bullpen-wise, the only one I really brought up or I, I did um, a deep dive with was Paul Seawald. He's your standard Paul Seawald uh, as a Mariner, 30 in the third innings, 19 hits, 
41 strikeouts, whip below one, uh, 2670 RA, 13 saves. So those are some numbers from the Mariners. The only Mariner that I really see uh, playing above their heads as of right now is uh, Jose Caballero. And a lot of that is because I don't really know what he is yet. Uh, the rest of the Mariners are either playing to their uh, playing to expectation or playing below expectation and uh, a player who we could see get better over time um, over the second half of the season. So when you have a team that's underperforming in the way that the Mariners have, whether it's my own personal evaluation of who that player is, uh, projection systems at the beginning of the year, or simply looking at a player's baseball card and determining where they are on their aging curve and whether they should be reaching that average number or not, the Mariners really have nowhere to go but up. Uh, there's no one outperforming the expectation, their expectation uh, truly. I guess Jared Kelnick, you might be able to make that argument with, but even then he's kind of tailed off so much that he's pretty much um, either where I would expect him to be or slightly under. Uh, offensively, the big impact is going to come from Julio stepping it up, which I fully expect. Uh, Taylor Hernandez continuing what he's doing. And then uh, Eugenio Suarez, as he's done in previous years, hitting for a lot more power July, August, September. So if you're talking about offensive uh, upgrades, it's going to be at DH over Mike Ford. It's going to be with the right-handed outfielder who could play left field against left-handed pitchers uh, instead of Jared Kelnick. And it could potentially be at second base if, you know, if the Mariners go another month and Colton Wong continues to do what he's doing uh, and the Mariners could deal for a legitimate, say, top 12 offensive second baseman, um, that might be the play. But I really think that in in at this particular point in time, the play for the Mariners offensively, unless you can acquire a DH type at a decent cost, the holding on their offense and waiting for players to perform closer to their potential or to their even average is the right decision to make. Uh, some up. So let's start with selling. The players that I have on the sell list are. Ty France, I think in part because he's a, an average offensive first baseman. I think the Mariners could replace him pretty easily. Uh, even look at a team like the Oakland A's. You've got Ryan Noda running a, you know, high double digit walk rate, close to 20%. They got him in the rule five draft from the Dodgers. Uh, Seth Brown would be another one who, you know, hits for power and gets on base. I think that Ty France has endeared himself to Mariners fans, but I would say that Ty France is very replaceable very quickly. Uh, Tail Hernandez is a player that the Mariners would consider selling, I think, if uh, the wheels fell off this season, in part because he is on the last year of his deal. Uh, if there was a taker for Taylor Trammell and they still saw some of the power potential that he's shown in AAA, He'd be one. He did hit three home runs in a game earlier this week. Uh, Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez aren't going to return you much, but they are, you know, on a contending team. They could be a number five starter. They have some history. 
bullpen. I'm always a proponent of the Mariners dealing bullpen for anything that they can get, uh, specifically hitting because they print relievers in the minors. Uh, who, who could you name, um, of the, of the Mariners minor leaguers or of the Mariners bullpen this season, who could you name and be confident they were going to be in the, in the Mariners bullpen this year? It's Paul Seawald, Andres Munoz, Matt Brash. The rest of the guys who are listed, according to Fangraph's uh, depth chart currently, Justin Topa, Gabe Spire, Tyler Saucedo, uh, Trevor Gott, maybe Trevor Gott because he was a free agent signee, Ty Adcock, Matt Festa. These guys are, they just come out of nowhere and the Mariners continue to print them. So, you know, you look at the Mariners uh, uh, minor leagues and you've got Isaiah Campbell, who's almost ready. You've got Prelander Baroa, who is going to be a dynamite reliever. Juan Ten, you've got Diego Castillo still in the minors. Penn Murphy is hurt. Matt Festa's in the minor leagues, right? So trading, if the Mariners can get a piece for a bullpen arm, I don't care who the bullpen arm is. I don't think you trade three of them. But if someone was offering something real for even Andres Munoz, I think you have to consider. Um, and then minor leagues, I don't know that any of the Mariners minor leaguers are really truly off limits. Uh, if Harry Ford, if you think Harry Ford is a transcendent catcher, then sure. Um, I wouldn't trade both Cole Young and Felnan Celestin, but one of the two, if a team came calling and, and was willing to deal a real deal bat for one of them, I would consider it. Uh, Emerson Hancock is nice depth, but he's never going to be the number two starter that you thought he was when you drafted him. So he's one they can certainly think about. And you've got a bunch of bats lower than that. Gabriel Gonzalez, who I've said previously, is going to end up a top 25 prospect in two or three years. Um, you would consider dealing, but is, is, would be painful. Uh, Tyler Dollard is a number five starter. You know, Tyler Locklear actually would potentially be Ty France's replacement eventually, similar type of player. Then you've got Jonathan Classe and Lazaro Montes, who I've spoken about previously. None of those guys, in my mind, are off limits, depending on what you're getting back. Um, and that's not a an indictment of the Mariners system as much as it is. I just think the Mariners are at a place where they can really turn the corner quickly with the addition of one more bat. So with that, if the Mariners were buyers, you know, I've talked a lot about Jock Peterson, who is a turned out to be a strong side platoon DH with the Giants, but an 850 OPS type of guy, tons of power, tons of walks. Seth Brown, similar profile with uh, the A's. Tim Anderson's an interesting one. The all-star shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, swings at everything, really low walk rates, double-digit home runs, certainly 20 to 30 steals, typically. But swings at everything and a uh, bat-to-ball type of guy. He's been hurt this season. And because he, his arm has been hurt, the, the White Sox moved him to second base these last couple of games. He would be an interesting one at second. Um, I don't think he would come cheap, and he hasn't performed this year. So I, I would want to see what the potential trades were. Uh, Ian Happ, we've talked about, could be a corner outfielder or a second baseman on-base guy. Uh, 
Jorge Polanco is currently injured for the Twins. I believe he's on the last year of his contract. Left-handed power bat at second, uh, average defender, would be a nice addition to the Mariners, to be honest with you. But because the Twins are contending, I don't know if Polanco would be a trade candidate. And then you've got your Joey Manessas, Michael Conforto, Josh Bell types, who would probably take a pretty good prospect to acquire, um, would lengthen the lineup and be an upgrade over what the Mariners currently have at DH. And then the big one, to me, the big fish would be Jorge Soler. Uh, 21 home runs for the Marlins, um, I believe has an opt-out in his contract or or it's over this season. He is the leader of that team in many ways. I do think it wouldn't come cheap, but he would be a player that I would consider offering uh, quite a bit more for than the rest. Uh, so those would be examples of upgrades of the offense, but not truly tearing the team apart in order to do it. Uh, I've got four names that would be more costly, I believe, that the Mariners could consider if they were willing to truly deal from um, talent. Uh, The first is Glaber Torres, second baseman for the Yankees. Uh, I don't love what I think it would cost to acquire Torres, but Torres is a 25 home run hitter at second base um, and would greatly improve the Mariners lineup, give the Mariners lineup a ton more depth. Uh, he's a professional, the type of professional that you thought you were getting with Colton Wong in terms of playing, you know, average defense, uh, taking good at bats, that sort of thing. But I do think he would be pretty costly. Jonathan India falls in that same category. Uh, I have two pitchers, Dylan Cease and Eduardo Rodriguez. Dylan Cease was an AL Cy Young candidate last season. He has lights out stuff. Uh, but has not pitched as well for the White Sox this season as last. He has a ton of command and control issues, but I'd say if you were grading just stuff, he's probably top five to top 10 in the major leagues as a starting pitcher. Uh, He has multiple years left of control, as does Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, He has two or three years left with the Tigers, Um, would also be almost be cost prohibitive, I think, but those two pitchers would change the complexion of the Mariners rotation. Uh, you would move either Wu or Miller probably into a bullpen role. Um, but would really just, the Mariners would hands down have the best rotation in baseball. If they acquired one of those two, they'd be very costly. Uh, the White Sox would be in teardown mode at that point. The Tigers, I think are always looking to get younger and better. Um, I'm not a proponent of of trading for either of those two, but it's something that's worth mentioning since they will be on the block. And the last one is, and I think this is completely pie in the sky, but it'd be Shohei Otani. Obviously, you'd have to gut the entire system uh, plus, you know, 40% of the rotation to acquire them, especially in uh, division, but something worth considering obviously best player probably of my generation sorry king griffey jr i love you but shoy otani is is incredible um and i do think the angels if they fall out of contention will put him on the market uh, i think seattle is a realistic possibility as a free agent for shohei to sign here um and i think if he was here and he had firsthand knowledge of what it was like for the last couple of months of the season uh it might help the Mariners cause, but 
Again, pie in the sky. I have no idea what it would take to acquire him. Uh, it'd probably be something like Kirby, Wu, Miller, Classe, Ford, you know, Celestan and Montes or something like that. Something insane. But uh, he would be if the Mariners obviously were, were really in it uh, to buy. So given all of that, given the Mariners offense, most players on the Mariners offense underperforming up to this point in the season, and my expectation being that they will get closer to who they truly are, and the Mariners pitching being very good but not great thus far, um, with room to grow, I think this team is on the ascent. I think this team has the talent to get better. Um, I think Jerry Depoto put together a 90-win team, honestly. I know that the the baseball prospectus – I believe baseball prospectus Pakoda had the Mariners as an 83 win team. I think they're closer to 88 to 90 looking at them myself. Um, the players just have to play up to their uh, average or their potential. Um, and then as far as selling, holding or buying, I'm in that hold, but upgrade with the bat mode, Jock Peterson, Seth Brown, Jorge Soler, Michael Conforto, uh, Josh Bell, Joey Manessas, that type of player that wouldn't cost the Mariners an arm and a leg. You wouldn't have to mortgage the future for them. That's the type of upgrade I'd like to see the Mariners do. So we'll see. I think the Mariners are in a good place. Um, the Mariners are going to have a lot of money to spend. I know people are laughing when I say that. I think they will next season. Um, the player development system, not the minor league system, mind you, currently, because people like to take a snapshot of the minor leagues or of the rankings and say the Mariners minor leagues are terrible. They're not. You have to look at the player development over the last couple of years, not just who's there right now. The talent that's there right now is in single A. These rankings take into account uh, proximity. The Mariners player development system as a whole is in a great space. You have two, you have Julio Rodriguez, you have Jared Kelnick, you have Cal Raleigh, you have George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and essentially the entire bullpen came from the Mariners player development system. So before you criticize, think about the players that have come out of that system over the last couple of years. Those rankings are a snapshot. So with a very healthy player development system, a superstar in Julio Rodriguez, a lot of players around him that are uh, slightly above league average offensively, and potentially the best rotation in baseball, the Mariners are, very, are in a very healthy spot. Um, it's easier to talk about a team and criticize them, especially when their record is under 500. But this is a healthy team. This is a team on the on the upswing. Uh, again, if I was the GM, I'd be holding, looking for an upgrade uh, at DH. And if the right second baseman came along, I'd look for an upgrade there too. So that's the state of the Mariners for me. If I was to grade their... Uh, their performance in the first half of the season, I'd give them probably a C minus. Uh, but this is a team that with an A in the second half of the season, you're looking at a wild card team. I feel confident in saying that. Uh, so should be fun. Still excited. Uh, this is a fun team to watch. A lot of people that don't enjoy them. We're lucky uh, to see a lot of really um, – Exciting offensive players. You know, you've got Julio. Teo, to me, is a very exciting offensive player. 
Jerry Kelnick certainly is. And if you love pitching, um, there's never a, a dull start or a start where you believe the Mariners pitcher is going to get lit up with these five. So again, that's the state of the Mariners. I believe they should hold fast and upgrade with the bat, but not give up too much up for it. And I do believe this is a 2003 wild card American league wild card team. So Thanks for listening to the Mariners cast. We are brought to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care. Peace.